The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, the kind of games that respect your precious time. I'm your host, Shane Kelly, and I'm joined here by a bevy of beautiful beings. Nate Eininger. Laura Nash. And Reagan Kelly. <laughs> very flattered, Shane. Thank you very much for the beautiful introduction. Much more yeah. complimentary than when Reagan introduces us. <laughs> well, the assonance is what worked for me, or the, uh, I'm sorry, the alliteration. A bevy, the be- a bevy of beautiful beings is, uh, is very good. And... The show today is mine. I'm doing the introductions. Not you, Reagan. How many episodes have you introduced? A lot. I've I'm seized sick, the means of podcast production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, listeners will probably hear in my voice that I'm a little little off this week. I've been kind of sick, so uh, I won't be talking very much. And let's not let's not uh, let's not be let's not fool anyone here. You have seized the means of podcast hosting. Reagan's still going to do all the, do the production, production work. Uh, <laughs> just because he's sick doesn't mean we don't make him do all of the editing. Yes. Yes. Thank That's you, right. Reagan. <laughs> Thank you, Reagan. You're all welcome. And uh, this is a classic case in this episode of I got really excited because someone told me a game was short and it was not, <laughs> but I still loved it, made all of you play it, and now we're here to talk about it. How many times yeah. has that happened? I think uh, it reminds me of uh, Hyperlight Drifter when that happened. Yeah, well, we like to pretend that we have a, uh, you know, we, we talk about our roguelike exception, uh, you know, a lot to, to, to fit games like this in here uh, into the show. Even though it's our show and we don't actually have any rules to follow, we, you know, we like to try to fit some sort of thesis. And uh, I have to say, uh, I, I, lo- I love this game, uh, but this one is stretching it even further than I think we've ever stretched it. Even for a roguelike, this game has, like an individual playthrough is very, very long. So I think we all really, really enjoyed this game and we're going to spend some time talking about it. But the the amount of time yeah. you have to commit to it to like you know, really I, yeah. play through it. I will it. say though, like it, it's the not... The game is... Oh, oh yeah. The game is Griftland. The game is Griftland. I thought one of you would mention it and I was I was doing a lot no, of hand waving on the we're Zoom. Jumping in. Game we're jumping in. The game is Griftland. Is this going to be my thing when I host my, the show? Don't that ever we just say never the name get around to talking about the game at all. Uh, everyone mm. reads the title of the podcast. No. Uh, our our historic uh, exception to these roguelike games ha- did kind of also lead to giving this game a chance theoretically you can finish a run of Griftlands in like eight hours but your first run isn't going to work uh because it has that roguelike element so unless to get there well unless you're nate <laughs> except le- unless you're nate i wasn't gonna say it you but uh, yes i won my first <laughs> round but let's talk about what is this game this this is a really interesting merger of rpg storytelling and progression with the mechanics of a deck building card game. So you've got your Slay the Spire style battling, and you also have really a double deck. It's a double decker game where <laughs> the second deck is a uh, 
ha- battle it out with your battle of wits kind of deck where you do negotiations or, you know, intimidating people, things like that. And then on top of that is this entire layer cake of a uh, visual novel slash kind of evolving multi-day, multi-character narrative that also has a whole reputation system thing built into it that that has an effect. So it's just a mechanically super dense like piece of if this were like if the mechanics here were candy, it would be just a super dense fudge. So I don't know. What do you guys think about this game? Is it fudgy? <laughs> it's Maybe certainly not. fudgy. I think there are a lot of very transparent mechanics out of the gate, but it is softened for me, a person who is not I like a deck builder, but I, I tend to play more of the uh, you know, the tabletop deck builders. I don't tend to t- play very long-term deck building games. And so I need a little bit of narrative to help it go down. And I was very happy that the narrative was uh, fun, entertaining characters of personality. And I w- was a little overwhelmed at first mm-hmm. by the number of different systems because the game really wanted me to know all of the systems existed at the beginning. And yeah. that was very surprising for me. You mentioned relationships, negotiations, battles, reputation, you know, that reputation system, money, and deck building. All of that is introduced within the first 15 minutes. Yeah, this game is super dense. Uh, I was thinking parfait, not fudge, but maybe like a fudge parfait. Um, you know, a lot of layers. But um, I, Laurie, your, your point is 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 definitely spot on in that like i think this is a narrative game with a deck building element and not a deck building game with a narrative element if that makes sense i think the story and the procedural generated element of the story and the reputation system and and the and the dialogue choices that you make along the way are really what this game is trying to get across and then the deck building which is crucial. It's a critical part. I mean, you're going to be doing it constantly is still like the means for producing the story rather than the other way around. And I think that's really the interesting. Deck building is personality building. It's not yeah. as much of a personality builder as signs of the sojourner, which I'll talk about more later, but it does. The cards you take are shaping the way you act in the world much yeah. more than just straightforward mechanics. Well, so I think, to put it a little more directly, basically, um, you know, this, there there are multiple characters that you can play from, and every character has their own story arc, and they all take place in the same world. Um, but essentially, you're going to be sent on uh, a number of small quests that are building up and building up that have you meeting new people, introducing yourself to new people, uh, and moving along through these various quest lines. And constantly throughout the uh, through the quest lines, you'll have the choice to basically either try to talk your way through something or fight your way through something. And that's not that uncommon in, you know, in video games at this point. Uh, But in this case, if you choose to talk your way through something, you're using your negotiation deck and you have your own sort of hit points for, for your ability to negotiate. And then you have your fighting deck. Yeah. Your uh, your battle, right? Yeah. Resolve is your negotiation uh, hit points. If you run and out of your, resolve, you can't negotiate anymore. Right. All you, you can do is fight. You die. 
you die. Yeah. So fighting is always <laughs> the last the resort. Whole story over. Yeah. Uh, and and by the end of <laughs> the by day. the end of my uh, by the end of my first run, uh, uh, I was <laughs> I ran out of resolve points uh, in the last day and just like basically fought my way to the end. But even fighting has a decision point because everything that you fight has a surrender moment and you as a character and uh, usually unless you accidentally, which I did a couple of times, uh, usually you can basically like pull back and, and not kill and allow somebody to surrender, which is also a story point and, and a, uh, a reputation moment. And every time you decide, am I going to fight someone or am I going to talk to him? If I fight him, am I going to kill him? Like all of these impact the story and impact the world's perception of you, that reputation system. And it's this like crazy balance of all of these things. And you're constantly putting put into these situations where it's like, should I try to talk my way through this? Well, that's a balance of how many resolve points do I have? What's my current relationship with these people? And what's the potential outcome of me talking my way through it? Or should I try to fight them? And if I try to fight them, do I have enough health to manage the fight? Do I kill them or not? And if either way, like who's going to hate me if I kill them? Uh, Because it matters. Uh, It's like one of the only games that I've played uh, that actually manages to do a thing where people don't like you and it impacts you. Like mm-hmm. you don't want people not to like you, but it might be a necessity. Um, there was this, uh, this choice that I had, and I think this is a good representation of this game where you get a skill upgrade. And one of the choices for the skill upgrade is what you get one action, one additional action per turn, which is huge in any sort of, deck building game like the ability to play an extra card per turn is a massive improvement uh in slay the spire that's like boss relics and stuff give you that and this there's always a trade-off to it so you get one more action and this the trade-off was two random people will hate you and it was like i like truly that was a difficult decision night every other game that has like a reputation system made me you're like yeah whatever i don't care if people don't like me uh, but with this game where the, 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 your reputation and how you have handled yourself actually impact your ability to do things on the line, it's like, that's crazy that there's a, a battle system that has a reputation element that like actually made me pause and say like, Oh, I don't want people to hate me. Now, of course I did ultimately make that decision because you know, whatever, but yeah, I think what's really cool about this is that like, you know, while the grift lands, the area that you're, you know, bumming around in, um, it feels very lively. It's full of characters. Um, and it does this, we can talk a little bit more about this, I, I think later, but like it does this procedural narrative where like you're going to encounter these characters usually multiple times. And you never know if the character that hates you is going to show up in one of these stories, you know, so it keeps track. Like, okay, here's a list of all the characters that hate you. Well, you know, maybe in one of the quests that you're going to get, even if it's your 
10th run, maybe the, one of those characters is going to show up in a particular way in a particular quest, and you're going to be completely blocked from negotiating with them. Or maybe you fight them and they fight extra hard because they hate you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that reputation system really plays in to the procedural narrative. It's it's really, really cool. I mean, I, I thought that was like one of my, my favorite things about it is like you, you see these characters standing around in bars, you, you know, you encounter them in shops, and you encounter them in all sorts of like little you know, mini quest stuff out in the world and how they feel about you. You know, if you bought them a drink last night, they might give you a discount in their shop or help you if there's a fight. Uh, if you, if they hate you, uh, maybe you, you know, you, uh, uh, turned them into the cops or something like that, then they're going to be very, you know, you're going to be very hard to negotiate with them, that kind of thing. So it's pretty cool. And I really appreciated the transparency. They call it the boon and bane system where if you if someone loves you uh, uh, you can move for character from like to love uh with and once they move to love you get a, a benefit you get the discount of the store you get cards you get presents you get favors and similarly there's a dislike and a hate and the hate is associated with a bane uh state so i really enjoyed uh, the threat of knowing the Bane system existed, <laughs> that once something moved to hate, there was not only a character repercussion, but a game repercussion. I accidentally ran around a foul of the cult. Basically, I pissed off an entire religion. Oopsies. Everybody <laughs> hated me from the religion. And I had a very tough time on day two when I had to steal a religious artifact and they did not like that I had already pissed off multiple members of their cult. Again, big whoopsies. (laughs) It is a personal life goal of my own, though, to someday have an entire religion that hates me. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice that I can do it in this game. Accomplished. But I will say... (laughs) The negotiation and combat were more alike than I anticipated, though. This reputation feels very much like a like a thing in D&D. Like, it feels like a, f- a feature of a system. And similarly, the negotiation and combat felt a lot more similar, where the negotiation was a different deck. It also took damage, less so than the games you've played where they're trying to simulate conversation through the negotiation. Yeah. Uh, although there are... You know, you've threatened someone with a threaten card, you will peel a threaten, a little threat over the over the line, I don't know, over the combat yeah, field. It's an interesting I that's something that stood out to me too, is that like this game, you know, makes a big deal about having like your negotiation deck and your battle deck. And it's a really cool idea. Um as Shane said, you know, who doesn't love a double decker? Uh and I don't know of any other uh, deck building game where you're uh, or negotiation going to London. game, like, yeah, or yeah, they're not combined like, often. It's a cool, it's cool that you and, and like you're constantly getting choices of like, do I upgrade my negotiation deck? Do I upgrade my battle deck? Um, like right now, on um, I'm playing through the set, my second run through with a different character, and I was like, I ended up the last game I played with a lot of people hating me. And by the end, I was really burdened by a lot of these banes. So the second round, I'm like, I'm going to try to make, I'm going to try to play this as like amicably as possible. I want people to like me. So that means basically negotiate more. So I'm making a lot more negotiation deck upgrades and focusing on my negotiation deck more than my battle deck as much as possible. 
Um, but to your point, like it, it really is just two like combat systems and, and with the negotiation deck, instead of saying things like stab, it's saying things like threat. Lo- yeah. Threaten or logical fallacy or, or like straw man or like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like these like sort of, uh, debate and discussion words and the the mechanics are totally different. You have this whole system where you're like managing arguments and things like that. So it, it is a different system, but it doesn't really feel like you're like going verbally toe to toe with someone. It just feels like you're managing a different. I don't know. I I have something to say about it this. It feels like two different combat yeah, systems. Yeah. To it me. does feel like two different combat systems because it is two different combat systems. And yeah. I've played now a fair number of these kinds of games. And I play a lot of magic. Now I get to ring the bell because I'm talking about magic. <laughs> ding, ding. Sword guys. Yeah. So what the the challenge there really is making a resonant playing card in within the mechanics, right? And you brought up like straw man, like the the idea when we just say it, like, hey, you're you're fighting by making like a straw man. Sounds kind of silly, but when you're des- the way that these cards are designed. Something like that is actually, it works well. I thought it was a good design. It's a, you know, it, what is a straw man argument? It's a, a fake argument that you're putting up uh, of your opponents to attack. And that's like exactly what you do with the straw man card in in this game. Yeah. And the, a I, lot I of the designs that, like, are like that. It's really, I thought the negotiation deck, I have not played, I didn't get to play Signs of the Sojourner, uh, but I know that was very heavily based around like, finding a common language with others this is not mm. that this is about like one-upping your opponent's arguments mm. this is debate and society i thought the design was really good yeah it's yeah. the debate society card game yeah it, saying that they're both just you know combat systems is like true but also it, it does slight the fact that like i think the negotiation deck in this was significantly more fun and interesting than the combat stuff like and maybe other folks feel differently but like definitely more i unique. really doubled down on the negotiation side because it was so interesting to play the um i mean we can talk about the the specific mechanics in more detail but like the 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 thing that really stuck out to me about it is that on both sides when you're playing these negotiations um you know you have uh, your core argument which could be something like uh you know my core argument might be represented by like i don't want to pay a bribe uh you know and your core argument might be but you should pay that bribe um, and then, you know, you're trying to like reduce the resolve of each other's core argument, um, but th- you're constantly adding and taking away other arguments. So it feels kind of like you're, you know, so like, uh, for example, um, um, I really, you know, my negotiation deck when I was playing really built around the influence, uh, argument or mechanic where, you know, I, uh, had several cards that could create influence which was like you know theoretically you know meant like you know the uh, sort of command of the conversation or something like that right but what it really means was like uh influence is an argument that goes onto my board that is separate from my core argument it can be targeted with attacks so some you know somebody can argue against my influence um but i can also defend it in the same way i can defend my core argument and um it has effects on other cards. So you might have cards that spend that influence or that have special abilities that are activated if you have a certain amount of influence, like, you know, does extra damage by 
multiplied by the amount of influence you have, and you can build around that stuff. Um, and you can see your opponent's uh, arguments, and you can target their core argument or their like little side arguments that might be prevent you know presided prevent, or you can even incept arguments to them. So like a big part of my my deck was like, um, oh I forget what it was called. There was like a, a type of um, argument called um, uh, wanted, I think, and you could uh, you could give them that argument and then destroy it, and it would c- cause damage to their core argument, things like that. So it, it yeah. became a really interesting system, much, much more interesting than what I thought was like a totally serviceable and fine combat card mechanic, but it didn't seem like anything that like I hadn't seen before somewhere else. This was new. I really liked this part of the game a lot. I think my disappointment in it was that I perpetually had analogies for combat with my negotiation deck. Mm -hmm. For example, I was seeing composure as defense. I was seeing resolve as health. When I played, you know, a straw man, I was thinking drone. And so I, this might just be a mental model of the game and maybe it's a fallacy in me, but I wish I wasn't able to find analogies for all of my cards in a combat system I was familiar with. It felt like a novel combat system, but it felt like I was using synonyms for a combat system I'd played before. It it does yeah. ultimately feel combat y, yeah. but it is it is combative dialogue. Which which I was a little disappointed by, to be honest. I, I get that. I still found it really interesting. Like it didn't a hundred percent feel like a conversation, like the way that, you know, you brought up Signs of the Sojourner. Signs of the Sojourner felt so much like a conversation. Um, that wasn't the goal didn't... of this, but I yeah. I just wish I had had a few cards stretch my ability to come up with one-to-one comparisons. Yeah, and and so I, I agree with Laura, um, but I also all this to say, like Reagan, I agree with you. I think the the negotiation deck was was far more compelling and interesting from a gameplay standpoint, and and I really enjoy it. And to me, uh, I don't want to do too many comparisons to Slay the Spire, but. Um, like the the battle deck is like the ironclad and the negotiation deck is like the defect which is just like a far more complicated far more complex like there's a lot of management to it there's a lot of like different strategies whereas ironclad is more just like hit hard and try to win you know now that said as the as the game progresses and you start to unlock uh, this game has a ton of unlocks you know, most of us only made it through one to two runs, uh, but this game really wants you to run these characters over and over and over. And there are a lot of cards and a lot of systems that unlock as you play more and more. So our discussion of this game, I think we're, we've all only scratched the surface of the complexity mm-hmm. of the of both the negotiation and the battle combat. Because when I completed my first run, uh, you have experience for your character, and I, my my win leveled my character up like five times, <laughs> and I unlocked like twenty new cards, and all of the new cards are, were like bundled in these packages of like the the adept, and it's like four cards that are like a whole new system that you now have, and then the next one was like the recon or whatever, and it's like four cards that are a whole new system that, you know, we, that was not in play the first time. So 
uh, it gets continuously more and more deep and more complex. And there's a whole perk system too, that like you can change your character. Uh, it's pretty crazy. But anyway, to go back to the original point, like I, I, I like the systems were, were, are, are what you spend the most time thinking about, uh, in uh, and playing with, but it's the, the still the crazy thing to me is that like the deck building does feel secondary to the the world and the generation of the world and like your choices as you go along the quest that you're on, and I think that's one of the best the biggest accomplishments of this game. Uh, it's it kind of reminded me. You know how super giant, you know, they made Hades and they made Pyre and it's like mm-hmm. they have found ways to take these systems and like make them narrative games with like the system underneath it. Like Hades managed to make like a dungeon crawling roguelike, like this wonderful story about the Greek gods. And like, that's what everyone was talking about when that game came out, even though like underneath it is this incredibly complex and dense uh, world or um, uh, me- mechanics and, and and like combat system, but really everyone is talking about like how horny uh, <laughs> uh, like everyone is, you know. Uh, like I think if that's what Grifflands is to me is that like yeah, there's this insane deck building mechanic and there's two decks, which is crazy and and all of this, but really like what you're it playing, is a, it's it, a story game. Yeah, it's a story game, and I I think that's really cool. This is what really kept me going with it, and it was not what I expected. So, like when I when I had been hearing about this game, you know, yeah, I heard it was like an RPG or whatever, but I also was hearing, you know, it's a it's a deck building game. And I was like, okay, Nate game, right? <laughs> okay, this is this is going to be, and you know, deck building games, like I, I enjoy them, but they're not really my zone, you know, um, especially not deck like deck building roguelikes. Uh, which yeah, deck building mage roguelike Shane. It's like yeah, <laughs> I, I I enjoyed Slay the Spire, but you know it's it's not really my area. Um, but this game, the thing that really um, surprised me about it was how compelling the the setting and characters were, and what a good job it does of allowing for like you know inviting you to uh, experience this story and this world multiple times while still being interesting. Um, if you don't mind, I can I can go ahead and do a little bit of an intro on just sort of the world of Griftlands, which I thought was really Please. interesting. But feel yeah. free to jump in if you guys have, because uh, I you know I uh, backstory here like I played through this game is arranged in days. You know each each run is like a five day period, right? And there's sort of a big uh, boss or encounter at the end of each day. Um, so story wise, I I won't be spoiling anything here because I played through. Uh, day one, day two, died. Played through day two again, died. Had to restart again. Played through day one, day two, managed to get through, and that's where I've stopped. That was about five and a half hours, and that's all I've had time for. So t- so far, I've been replaying those first two days a lot. But anyway, World of Griftlands was very interesting. It's you know the Griftlands is this zone of this particularly sort of like undeveloped continent. Um, it's uh, uh, it's. Uh, overseen by an admiralty that's sort of like a foreign invading or occupying force, basically. So, like, there's not really a government as such, more just sort of like the cops are also invaders. Um, <laughs> and the uh, so the the Griftlands has, I guess, three main factions. Uh, there's the uh, the admiralty, the sort of invading police force. The um, uh, the oh, what were they called? The 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 something with an S. The um, 
the, the spree. Bandits. The spree. The spree, yeah. which is a sort of Good a name. league of bandits. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then there's the uh, the cult of Hesh, which is sort of like the local religion of like a weird Sathonic god. Um, and uh, there's a sort of an uneasy truce between them. Uh, you start, you know, you're, you're, when you boot up the game, there are multiple characters that you can play through, which each has their own story. Um, I really only encountered the first one. Yeah, each character is unlocked when you finish the first day with the previous character. So you can unlock, and you can get through day one with with most of them pretty quick. So if you wanted to, you could unlock all the characters in this video. Yeah, and there's uh, each character introduces an expansion of the location. So everything uh, Reagan just explained is the first character. Um, And in that first game, you learn about a sort of a, a nearby land called the bog that is ran by the spark barons, which are basically like, uh, like a merchant slave owning class. And they're a small part of the, of the first character's world, but they are the center point of the second character's world. And so yeah, you the- can kind of get the sense that this game was in, in early access for two years, you know, and it really kind of feels like it's been like added on to extensively, yeah. you know, not just with new cards and improved mechanics, but like new stories and characters to play as I can only speak to the first character, but I think it's probably what yeah. we probably want to stick to for, yeah. for spoiler reasons anyway. Um, and so the, the main character that you, you know, you boot up the game as is uh, Sal Ikderic. Uh, an interesting sort of world building note that I thought was interesting was Ikderic was not her original last name. Um, her uh, her family went into a sort of a debtor's prison kind of thing. Uh, was and this this is her her whole sort of motivation is getting revenge on the person who kind of screwed her family over and sent them all out to die on the derrick, which is a place where people you know like an oil derrick type of thing where people mine something called lumen, and she spent the last ten years her entire childhood there, and he uh, I think her whole family died there, and she is she has come back to the griftlands to get revenge on Cassio, a uh, a character that sort of was a minor mobster, I guess, who um, screwed your family over and sent them all out to die on the Derrick. And the bit about the Ick Derrick thing, uh, when you get consigned to the Derrick, they take away your name. Uh, and you, even after you've paid off your debt and left, you are, you're still an Ick Derrick as the, the last name. Anyway, um, that's the- style. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so that's the, the basic plot is like, you are- recently returned to your shitty homeland and uh, you want to get revenge, um, but you're coming in friendless and penniless and you need to make connections in order to, uh, in order to put yourself in a position where you can get your revenge. Um, and I really like that setup and yeah. I think the world was really interesting. We haven't <laughs> talked about the art either. Just, just to briefly say like it has the look of like a cool cartoon like it's got a very i don't know how would you describe this it, it looks sort of like a like a um uh like you know uh, like a well-produced american cartoon style um that i also really yeah. drew me in it felt like an adventure story kind of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i think it's it's also kind of mimicking the the kind of classic style of monkey island and stuff like that i don't know but in a cooler way, like in a very modern way, it does more look more like a, a modern kids cartoon. It has that visual novel style too, where most of the storytelling is done with backgrounds that are, you know, many of them really cool, uh, but then just characters kind of 
in, in place around the, the background. Um, and each of the characters, it's not fully voiced. They probably have way too much text in this game to fully voice it, but they do the sort of Simlish style mm-hmm. dialogue where they have kind of a made up language and they're doing some uh, real emoting. And I will say did great illustration for a lot of the different scenarios. So like the, the tone and the gestures of the characters really come through. Yeah, it's funny that it's all that like Simlish language. I thought the same thing, but that it is still tied to the moment. So uh, if you have made them mad, they are, you know, they are making Sim sounds, but very, <laughs> yeah, very angry Sim sounds. And the little character on the screen, or really the big character, it's, you know, your character is one half of the screen. The Whoever you're talking to is the other half of the screen. And there's a background. And, and it's fully, not fully animated, but but their mouths are moving. Their body is 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 impa- is changing. And, and all of the characters are very uniquely designed. There's a lot of different uh, races in this game, um, mostly broken down along the lines that Reagan uh, talked about before. Uh, but they're all individually designed. And you can actually start to recognize characters just off of their character design, not just their name. Uh, and, and it's really cool because those characters, you might see them in a bar uh, at one point and then uh, you run into them later. There's like an overworld that is really dense, almost dense to the degree that it's like kind of hard to tell exactly what is happening in this little at least playing on the Switch, a handheld Switch, there's like a lot going on in this dense overworld. And your little character moves. You'll be like, I'm at, I'm at my, my home bar and I'm going to go to this shop. And you click on the shop and your character moves. And there's like Pokemon style, you know, encounters where you're like, I just want to go to point B, but I've been stopped in between by a thing. Mm-hmm. And it'll be all characters that exist in the world. And, you know, it got to the point where I'm like, oh, God, it's Dory again. Come on, Dory. Like, leave me alone. And then you let Dory beat her, beat your, beat you up because you don't want to fight her uh, and you want her to feel good about herself. So you just let her beat you up. You lose 11 HP and you move on. Uh, and uh, I, I just thought the character design and all that was really good. And um, the the writing, the character dialogue is really good in the in the uh, the every character has a pretty dense background and it just kind of depends on whether on the paths that you took the storyline that you follow, the threads that you pull, whether you'll learn someone's background, like on, on multiple playthroughs, uh, character a may be your chief ally who is like a center point of your ascension to getting your revenge and on playthrough number two, that may be someone you kill in the first like 20 minutes because you chose a different quest. Uh, it, it's pretty cool. There is actually uh, the, the first character you interact with is a button you can press to inspect the character. And you can inspect every character and you can actually see what you get if you kill them. They won't show you the bane or the boon if they like you, but they'll show you what their death loot is. And that was a really like key discovery to me early on when I like inspected the chief like quest giver, your best friend in this game, the the bartender. Mm-hmm. And it was like it was like what you get if you kill them. I'm like, how and why would I ever kill this person? And then uh, you know, 
after a couple hours of playing, it's like, well, there might be a chance where like I get myself into like a like a weird situation, and my only way out is to kill this person. And at least I know I'll get that card if I have to do it. Like at least I'll get a benefit from killing my best friend, and that kind of summarizes the whole <laughs> tone of this game. And that's what I found really enjoyable is there, it's called Griftlands, and you are a bit of a hustler. Like yeah. you're not you're a hunter, is what they call it, but. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's some conning. There's you, gotta you get, always yeah. have the opportunity to backstab the train. Yeah, look out for number one. Mm-hmm. There was a time, so I, I said it earlier. I had a lot of banes. A lot of people hated me. Yeah, and I figured out like if they hate you, they are also likely to fight you, and often not. And you can set it up to where like you just provoke them to fight you. And if they are dead, then they no longer hate you. And so you lose the bane. And so there was a little there was a little moment in this game where what I was doing was going around. I went all in on like evil. Normally these games I'm like, I'm gonna be, you know, I wanna be friends, but the way the story was going, it was working out for me to just be killing a lot of people. But I had so many banes that I was going around like bar to bar to bar trying to find these people that hated me get into a conversation with them, provoke them to attack me. And then I could kill them. And I'd no longer have that bane. Uh, now the downside to that is that a lot of characters have friends and, and then they kill them. Yeah. So you have to like, so it ended up not really being as effective as I thought. I was like, okay, I'll just kill everyone that hates me. And everyone that's left in this world will love me. It's like, Okay, the game is smarter. That's definitely how that's going to work, right? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how I, that's the approach I take in real life too. And so I thought, <laughs> you know, this game will it works for me in real life. It'll work for me in this game. But uh, I eventually had to abandon that strategy as yeah, it just it compounds. I'm like, oh god, what have I become? Uh, and I was able to you know get off of that track and and still still manage to make it to the end. But uh, you know, the fact that like that was even like an option, like a play style was, was uh pretty great. But since I didn't get as far as you, you said, Oh no, what have I become? That was you making the judgment, not the <laughs> yeah. game. Correct. The game never yes. has an ethics component. Correct? No, no. And now, okay. and so now on my second run with the second character, I'm trying to be way more like way more thoughtful about the way battle goes. And also, there was a bleed mechanic. It's a damage over time on the uh, uh, that I used a lot in combat with my first character, and the switch is like a real small screen. And I, I don't know between that and like my own just being dumb. There were a couple times where I killed people that I didn't mean to kill, and that like got this sort of snowball avalanche thing of like me killing people and then them hating me and then me needing to kill more people because they all hate me. So I didn't, you know, it was a little bit of a learning curve with the game too, but besides it was all either my own choice or my own mistake that led to everyone hating me. And on this second playthrough, I've been way more about negotiation, killing less people. And I have way less of these banes and way more boons. And I'm not as far into it. So I assume that I'm going to have to start murdering people at some point. Um, but so far I've been able to manage it differently. 
I did at one point have a Bane that basically completely... I killed one random bandit, and it basically shut off my deck, and I had to rebuild the deck in a different direction. Because I had... I was relying on a um, a card that would multiply out. You could play it, and it would add... It cost nothing to play, and you could play it and add lots of copies of it to your deck, because it would duplicate your, itself in the discard pile, which is a cool mechanic. Nice. And the... Bane I got basically said everything that caught made it so that everything cost that cost zero instead cost one. And it, it just made oh, no. the deck completely suck. So, yeah. <laughs> Cause it was just junking itself up. And so I had to stop playing that card entirely and uh, go in a different direction. I thought that was really neat. It made me really yeah. rethink the deck. And this was the run that I still ultimately got all the way to the boss uh, with Sal and then died in the final encounter. But um, yeah, it was a really cool path through the game and the way that the social inter- interactions act kind of as a, it's almost as though your character has two health bars. If that makes it, you literally do because you have the resolve, but being able to push through, like knowing just how far you can push yourself with the resolve um, and still be, in fighting form to face the final boss, which you know yeah. is going to be, uh, you know, live or die. That's um, really neat. It, the, 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 the way that that actually feels as a structure m- maps up so well to the story that they've told. Uh, it really does all tie together so well. Yeah. Well, and it, it kind of emulates what, I imagine, you know, someone who lives a life like this would actually have, which is you're going to try to talk. If you're a grifter, if you're like this sort of, you know, someone who walks the world, just trying to get ahead, like you're probably going to go in and try to talk your way through things first. uh, And then when that falls through, you're going to fight if you have to. And so I like that mechanic that like, if you reduce to zero resolve in an argument, all that happens is that it just, you now you can't have argue anymore. You can't argue anymore, but you still have the option to fight. Uh, and you pretty much always have the chance to just beat someone to the surrender point, And uh, then they will do what you had tried to argue for, uh, or you can kill them and there'll be, you know, some repercussion from that, whether it's, you fail the quest that you were on or, uh, it just alters the quest. I, I had one that I, in the first one where I accidentally killed the person that I was supposed to, uh, you know, have as an integral part of the whole quest. And I just failed the quest. They're like, why'd you kill them? And, mm-hmm. you know, the character's like, uh, you know, things got out of hand. It's like, cool, quest failed. Like, great. <laughs> Sweet. That was fun. Um, uh, but it, it is, it's, it's this constant balance of those things. This is a game I think we all liked a lot, right? So, it was, but it was also kind of a big. It's like the cookies and cream ice cream of of games. It's like a whole bunch of different weird ingredients all thrown together, and it's all Wait. delicious. Wait. That is your example for a we- cookies and no. cream is like a cookies. cookies and cream <laughs> what is it? Is it's two the Ben and Jerry's, the everything but the kitchen together. sink or whatever. Yeah, yeah. there cream. you go. Like ice cream is crazy. You know what? You know what they now, put in cookies and, and cream? Use- ice cream. 
ice and cream. Oh man, I'm called out on my ice cream opinions. It's because I just I just ate some cookies and cream ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, literally this has been for dinner, the what we've been <laughs> eating segment. But but Shane, I will say though, because this is what I thought you were gonna say. Cookies and cream is <laughs> my favorite ice cream. And it's and this game is flying up my list of one of my favorite games. Uh I Ooh, I, I, I really really enjoyed this game and i'm continuing to enjoy it and uh i i think mm-hmm. it has uh it's it's it, it clicks a lot of buttons for me i i did not expect to have a a deck building roguelike that actually has a compelling narrative in it all of these roguelikes and deck building games that we're used to are all so one and done i mean that's the that's like the whole thing of them, you know, there is, it's almost impossible to uh, create a compelling story where everything shuffles and starts over and starts over and starts over. And this game manages to do that so well. Uh, like I, I want to play more of it more for the story really than the deck building component, which is crazy to me because that's something that I love so much, but also because they have like, I said it earlier, but the deck building stuff is dense and they're just, they sort of dole it out as you play more and play more. So I'm really interested to see like, what are the new cards that are added? What are the new strategies and how can I take Sal or Rook or, uh, and I got to say this before spoilers, Shane, you pointed it out. I can't get it out of my head. The second character looks like really buff Reagan. And it's so so funny. It's so funny. So if, excuse me, I am really, yeah, somehow buffer. If it, if you can imagine, (laughs) if you can possibly imagine a more buff Reagan, that's what the second character looks like. Um, I know I couldn't picture it either. So just, you know, the second character name is Rook. Uh, Do I need to buy some weird goggles? Is that what you're telling me? He doesn't have goggles on, does he? Aren't those goggles on the top of his head? Oh, on top. Okay, yeah. He's well. He's a he's a he's a aviator. You know, a, a, a like an aeronaut. I think they call him. Yeah, uh, it looks like that kind of kind of vibe. Uh, I I don't see it, guys. He has a mustache. I think that's <laughs> oh, where I, it I, ends. I, it's the jawline, honestly. It's the shape oh, of the head uh, and the jawline. Yeah, it looks so like it. it's the yeah. if you were to well, block I'm not you changing out. my my Twitter icon to this guy is what I'm saying because it doesn't I don't see it but I'm glad that you guys think I I don't know I don't know if this is a positive or a negative but I, it's okay. a, I think it's a compliment um th- this <laughs> game has so much to offer we didn't even if it's not clear the writing is is fantastic this game is mm-hmm. is so well written and funny at times and and compelling and, and dark and sad and all the different you know things that like a world where everything sucks for everyone uh, is going to bring you. So I, I just, I really, really, I really enjoy this game. And uh, I'm glad that I didn't participate in early access for this game because like the package that's been presented to us now with like everything, it just, it's, it's awesome to be able to bring it all mm-hmm. in. And I, and it's not a short game at all. Not, this is, not that short. This, like yeah. I've put more hours in the Slay the Spire. And I still think Slay the Spire is a, is a short game compared to this. This is like, Oh, wow, I don't know about that, but yeah, there's a lot to this. Slay the, the Spire, the one- you can finish, and f- there's a there's a uh, there's a uh, a uh, achievement for like beating a run in under 20 minutes. This game, this first run, took me eight hours to win, and I don't see how you could do it any. Like, I bet you know you could do it in six or something like that. Like Slay yeah, the Spire, you through yeah. 
I, I do think that it's designed around fewer total runs than something like Slay the Spire. Like, sure. I don't think this is expecting you to do a hundred runs. Uh, yeah. I think it's expecting you to, you know, run each character till you win. And probably most people can do that in, I don't know, a handful of tries, but you're right. It's definitely a long one. Yeah. The how long to beat time on it is partially what made me think this was going to be shorter than it turned out to be. Uh, it says main story, nine and a half hours, yeah. Main story plus extras, 14 hours, and completionist, 21 hours. And I think you might as well just see that as, like, one character, one two character. characters, three characters. Mm-hmm. But that said, like, you can, I think, experience this game and have, like, a plenty of fun yes. in a short amount of time and get yes. a complete story. I really like the fact that they have these three characters. Pretty quickly, you have access to all of them. And each one of them is a sort of self-contained story that you know overlaps if you want to experience more than one of them. I want to give a big plus to the easy mode on this game. Do not feel ashamed to you. So, you know, I, I told you earlier, my, my experience with this was like, I played through day one, day two, died to the assassin that happens at the end of day two. That It makes you then play a whole day again, played the whole day again, thinking like, well, okay, I'm going to tweak my deck a little bit, try that assassin again. Exact same thing happened to me. Um, and I was like, oh, well, am I going to, you know, start again from the, from the scratch and, you know, do day one, day two again and die to that assassin? So I thought, well, let's switch to the easy mode. I usually don't do that in games like this. They call it actually the story mode. Um, the story mode for folks that just care about the story, right? And so I thought, oh, no, is it just going to, like, make all of the deck building super super easy and trivial and is that going to feel really uninteresting so i was i was worried that you know this game relies so much on the deck building and combat and everything being engaging um it really still was even on quote unquote story difficulty um i don't think i actually failed anything playing through on story difficulty but it still felt like i could and it still it had a, a for me at least it had all of the same vibe and felt just as interesting so um if you're not like huge into the mechanics of deck building roguelikes um or either of those two genres independently uh, and you just want to experience this game's story it really is here for you for that and the um uh the the card mechanics feel just like a good rpg battle system that you know will let you carry you through that story and you don't have to um, you know, grind out multiple runs necessarily in order to um, in order to experience that story. Maybe you have to replay a day or two here or there. But if you just want to get through the story of this game, the story difficulty, give it a go. I, I give it my thumbs up. For me, I enjoy the mechanics, but I'm here for the vibes. Yeah, very cool vibes. Yeah. Well, I think that's about all we have to say on this one. Um, but stick around maybe at the end. Uh, the the Nate and I both got to the final boss on Sal's story. I kind of wanted to talk about that. So we might do that uh, if we feel like it once we finish talking about those incredible things that are making us happy this week. I always like to do this segment because this is the segment that is about what's making us happy this week. And if we think back on the week, and we think on a thing that makes us smile. That's the thing that's making us happy this week. So the name what, of the segment what is that I'm introducing is what's making us happy this what week. Are, what are you doing? Reagan, what's making you happy this week? <laughs> Not that intro. Every time I let you intro anything on this show, you turn it into a who's on first bit. Uh, I, so I, this is a really small one. Um, uh, I uh, I picked up my 3DSs again, so I've uh, you know I've I've, I've wait, a lot wait, of different plural? Ways. Yes, yeah, I have a lot of different ha- yeah, you know, of various course. consoles and stuff. 
I, I he two you know, hands I it. It's called six DS. Yeah, I no, I I collect a lot of different um, consoles and stuff. I'm into video game hardware. This is just sort of my thing. And I just recently there was a there was a sale um, on N- Nintendo has a um, has a, a actually if you're not aware, Nintendo has a really good uh, website for refurbished consoles. So if you've got you know if you're interested in picking up like a Switch Lite or something, and you're looking for a deal, um, and you don't want to buy like you know somebody's used Switch that who knows what they did with it, um, Nintendo has good prices on good quality refurbished stuff. That I've ordered a bunch of these of uh, various types, and they're all identical to brand new. They come in a nice box with a charger. Everything's nice. The screens are perfect. So um, you know, thumbs up to that. Um, and so over the last couple of weeks, they uh, suddenly started having 3DSs on or various models of the 3ds on their um refurb store again which they haven't for a while and so i decided to pick up some of the models of 3ds that i hadn't played with before so i got a 2ds and i got a 2ds xl uh, because they were both very cheap and uh, those are both really interesting little models the 2ds has that really weird design that's shaped sort of like a wedge and has no fold and then the 2ds xl has a doorstop of a console it is it's a very strange little device um and it was their sort of like cost cutting version of the 3DS that has no 2D, no 3D capable screen. Um, and actually the 2DS, um, they cut the cost so much that rather than have two screens, they have one screen internally with a little frame over the top. So everything's displayed on one screen, um, but you get these little cutout windows so that you see the two different, you know, top and bottom screens, which I thought was a very strange but interesting little cost cutting measure designed for probably kids and stuff. But uh, the 2DS XL, or rather the new 2DS XL, which is the final model in the 3DS family, I picked up one of those in purple, which is a great color for these things. I love it. Um, And uh, it's really, really nice. And it's got me playing some 3DS games that I've had sitting on my shelf and never got around to playing. So um, I guess what's specifically making me happy this week was um, picking up a 3DS again at all, and specifically the 2DS XL in purple, which is really cute, and I love it. I just love the design of this thing. It doesn't have a 3D screen, but like it's smaller than the, the regular 3DS XL. Um, it's got the quote-unquote new 3DS you know model features and stuff, like the extra like thumbsticky thing. Uh, it's lightweight. It's easy to carry. Uh, and uh, and it's purple. Uh, and I'm playing um, a couple things on it. I'm playing uh, Kirby uh, Planet Robobot, uh, which is a game that I bought and only ever played a couple levels of. And now I'm actually giving it a shot and I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, and I'm also playing, uh, this is another sidetrack, sorry. The uh, We have a, a poll running uh, on our Patreon for what game to cover out of, we have a backlog, a long list of, of games that have kind of built up that we haven't gotten around to playing yet. And I wanted to kind of sweep that out. So I'm letting the, the patrons vote. If you're a patron and you haven't seen that, uh, you may have gotten an email or you can just go to the Patreon page and you can vote. Uh, but currently the top voted item on there is uh, Metroid Fusion. So I'm playing that on the 3DS as well, because um, there are ways of doing that if you hack your 3DS, which is very, very easy to do these days. So I'm playing Metroid Fusion on there and really enjoying that too. So um, I'm, I'm suddenly playing with the 3DS again after not having used one for a couple of years uh, and having a lot of fun with it. That's what's making me happy. Oh, man, I really want to play that Metroid Fusion, but I I have to actually play it on a Game Boy Advance, I think. I have to dig it out. And uh, I'm I'm about to go on a trip, which is what's making me happy this week. Uh, so apparently, you can still play Metroid Fusion if you have a Wii U, 
But that's the yep. most recent thing that can play. Yeah, yeah. Metroid with with Fusion. Metroid Dread coming out, uh, uh, the apparently uh, Metroid Fusion jumped up to the top of the Wii U charts, which I don't know what it takes to jump up to the top of the Wii U charts. Probably means get one sale a week or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the. It's wild to me that that you know that <laughs> Nintendo still hasn't figured out a way to make those GBA games available on the switch they were on the wii u everything else is getting ported from the wii u uh, but they don't have a you know strategy in place for this i guess and with metroid dread coming out like the game that precedes it is like totally not available unless you want to do something hacky or piratey uh, which is wild to me or unless you have a wii u around still which who does at this point mine is definitely in a box man you are just roasting the wii u left and right (sighs) i mean come on the marketplace roasted the wii u exactly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nobody wanted it. Well, so that's back to what's making me happy this week is uh, I'm taking my Wii U out of the closet and I'm taking it with me on a trip. I'm going on vacation. Yes. Uh, I am going to be the last you time actually... you guys hear me for an episode or two. Yeah, I actually actually am. Um, this is this is I'm very excited about this. Uh, no, I, I mean, are you I'm actually taking your yeah, Wii U? He, he, he means he's actually going on a vacation. No, I'm not actually. I don't have a <laughs> <Okay>. Wii U. <laughs> All right. He's going to have to borrow my Wii U. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to uh, a... This is exciting. I uh, In 2019, I won a, a, a award at work that they were going to send everyone on this company retreat. And the company retreat was scheduled for 2020. Mm-hmm. So it never happened. Um, and I was left with a voucher that I am now very excited to use. So I am spending a, I, I basically am t- taking a, uh, free almost week long trip to a resort, uh, on, in Punta Mita. And that's so much and better because you don't have to go wait. with coworkers. <laughs> I, yeah, Sorry, I, I do know? love my coworkers. If any of them are listening, <laughs> I love my coworkers. Um, but but you know, just going by myself is awesome. And not my, by myself. I'm taking my wife. Uh, we're leaving my son with his grandma, and we are just gonna soak up some sun. And so that's gonna Huzzah. be making me happy this that week. Sounds next good. Week. Who knows how many weeks? I'll be. I'm a little be, disappointed that you're not bringing your micro. Yeah, little disappointed you're not bringing yeah. your microphone uh, to record with us while you're out at your wonderful beach vacay with your wife. But I get it; that's fine. Oh, you never know. Maybe I'll I'll zoom you guys, and we'll have some updates. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't you dare go enjoy your vacation. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a blast. I I'm really really jealous. Oh, the other thing that's making me happy this week is this coming Friday is the pre-release. For the new Magic the Gathering set. How did I know he was about to bring up Magic the Gathering? Twice. Twice this episode. on Dungeons and Dragons. This okay. is the new set, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. This is a, this is a, this is a double ding for Shane. Ding well, ding. Well, you know what? I'm going to go next because, Shane, you have now... I had two things that I wanted to talk about, and you have touched on both of them already. So uh, I just got back from a trip. Me and the fam hopped in the car, drove 14 hours to Denver, Colorado, and uh, spent almost a week out there, did a hike, went to uh, just above the tree line, or just about at the tree line, so 12,000-ish feet. The air is thin. It was terrible. 
uh, and it was awesome. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, typically a little bit of an indoor kid, but my hot, like I, my, my favorite vacation is getting out and doing things like that. So uh, did a wonderful hike with some uh, friends and family and it was just so nice. And then another thing I was going to say that's making me happy is uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night, Thursday night. I am playing live D and D. We are getting our group together uh, for the first time in a long time. Actually, even more so because our even when we were playing live before the pandemic, one of our guys lived in L.A. and Mm. he we would like we would play live at our house, but with a computer. Yeah, and like Arrested Development guy on an iPad thing, we would actually take my iMac, set it on the edge of the table, and he would uh, zoom in, and like we would have the camera angled so he could see the like, we do very light mapping and miniature stuff, you know, and like, so he could see that and he would play, but in between then and, and now, he has actually moved to St. Louis, and so uh, this upcoming Thursday night, have the first live every party member together because uh, we're all vaccinated and have been for a little while now. And uh, we're getting everyone together and we're going to play some live D&D. I am expecting maybe one hour of actual D&D and, you know, the rest of the time just uh, goofs end to end. And I'm looking forward to it. So uh, Get vaccinated and hang out with I your friends. That. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice. great. Yeah. Well, I am not going anywhere, but we did import some of my friends from Boston came to visit us over July 4th nice. weekend. And uh, <laughs> one of them, uh, Laura, who was on our Heaven's Vault episode uh, and her husband. And we went to the cloisters. We sat. We ate tacos. A lot of Ooh, uh, just chilling in gardens. It was quite lovely. Uh, and then I became an indoor kid again because I was exhausted by four <laughs> days of socialization. Yes. <laughs> and wow. I... Um, did what I always do, which is check the calendar. Oh, it's about a month for the Olympics. It is time for me to watch way too much gymnastics coverage again. Um, if nice. anybody, wants- I didn't know you were an Olympic uh, person. I am. I really do like individual performance sports that have sure. to suddenly act like a team when it comes to the Olympics. I think it's a fascinating dynamic when everyone competes for four years against each other and then they have to act like a team suddenly for one month. It just causes So you're so in much it for drama. the drama. Yeah, no, yeah. I love <laughs> I'm in it for the drama, but there's also all these weird niche regulations that mean that there is Drama on a team level and drama on an individual level. For example, the inexplicable rule, I get it, that every country can only get three people competing for – or two people can only compete for a medal in an individual event at the Olympics. So even if the United States is the top five people on beam, which they don't, they would – like only two could be in medal contention. So it means that – like there's a lot of drama because everyone's basically going to compete against each other on vault. Um, also, the Russians can't stay on the beam. So if the Russians stay on the beam, they get a silver medal, but they're going to fall off the beam. So <laughs> it's going to be great. Classic guys. Russians. Well, 50-50. They stay on the beam, they win. Um, that's the drama. But uh, I, I love niche drama. 
And I love watching people who are so good at their sport. I, I, I watch the college gymnastics. I watch gymnastics occasionally. I watch figure skating on the off season too. But suddenly everyone cares. And so all the drama comes out. And I'm not talking about the serious drama because U.S. gymnastics is plenty of serious drama too. Don't want to underplay that. I'm talking about the drama of a person who was the alternate for an Olympics for eight, eight years ago, four years ago, got really, really mad, went to college, came back, and then almost got named alternate again. <laughs> I was like, oh, ouch. Like, she is. An I'm kind of into this kind of drama. I, and I, I think you're right. What gymnastics needs, I always think the, the cure for bad drama is more drama. Oh, yeah. So there was bad drama, and now there's fun drama. Please, when the when it's getting highly dramatic, please just let me know in the Discord, and I will try and tune in and catch like, as much of the sweet, sweet gymnastics drama as I can. There is a 46-year-old gymnast <laughs> who's in medal contention for the vault. <laughs> she's on her eighth Ooh. Olympics. Get it. And she's still going to maybe... Get it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. She first, she won a gold when she was 19, and she's still competing. <laughs> yeah, why Oksana, stop? we stand yeah. a legend. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm very happy that suddenly all of this esoteric trivia I have collected in the background over four years, will or five years this year, will matter. I'm relevant again, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Or in a week, I Yay. will be. <laughs> Yay. That's what's making me happy. Also, the <sighs> the documentary, Golden, the Journey of the USA Elite Athletes on Peacock is very good if you are trying to catch up on the drama. Uh, you get to see everyone <laughs> fall off in the national competition. Like, there was a competition that happened in January where everyone just ate it. <laughs> And see now you're now that's uh, and all these you people lost me with a lot of this. But USA um, is like could fall four, three or four times and would still win a gold medal. They actually all did that in January, and everyone panicked, and it was great. Does everyone else just suck? Like no, why would- just, uh, Simone Biles is just so much oh, harder yeah. than everybody else, and then Suni Lee, she who's was- the second best, is also. The one everyone was crazy. everyone was going crazy because uh, one of the um, what do they call them trials or uh, uh, mm-hmm. where you're just talking about the like pre events was yes. in St Louis and Simone Biles was here and was just like hanging out running around eating St Louis pizza and loving it and so we're like yeah come and hang out more Simone she had a bad day too and messed up like four times and still won. Against yeah. everybody else by almost three points. So she nice. is going to be just fine. Great. <laughs> so she will, she might get something named after her on every single, you have to do something for the first time at the Olympics to get it named after you. That's the rule in gymnastics. And she is going to get her f- fourth thing named after her. And if she just does something crazy on the beam, she'll have something in every apparatus. Cool. So that's that's what I'm on the watch for. Is like, is Simone just gonna like step on the beam, do something stupid, and then be like, I'm done? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, gymnastics. 
Well, I, I think it's hard to follow gymnastics. It is. It's impossible <laughs> to follow. Well, Shane did the intro. And so I'm reclaiming the throne, and I'm going to do the outro. Very white style. Uh, oh, I didn't say you could do the outro just to act like it was some sort of victory over me. Down with the proletariat. <laughs> uh, listeners, thank we you shall for rise joining again. us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find our contact form. Uh, you'll find uh, that's a good way to drop us a line and let us know uh, what games you think are good for the show. You can also find us on uh, oh, on all of the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts and all of the others. Uh, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review. Now would be a great time to do that. We haven't had one in a little while, and it always brightens our day and helps people find the show. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game. And of course you can find us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash the short game. And there's a couple of things going on on the Patreon right now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, right now we have a poll running to to decide on some future games that are being covered. So we've got a nice list up there. Um, we've also begun doing early release of episodes for patrons exclusively. So if that is something that you would like, if you want to get the episodes a day or two or three early, uh, you can get in on that uh, and you get a nice podcast feed that's custom just for you. Uh, and also uh, every patron gets access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the show and plan episodes, chit chat about what we're playing. If you want to share stories of the Griftlands with us, we are still talking about it there and we'll be talking about upcoming games too. So join us there, please. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate S-T-L. Shane, where can people find you? On Twitter at 8BitShane. And ladies and gentlemen, this is your spoiler break. So there's not much I really wanted to get into after the spoiler Blake. Spoiler Blake. <laughs> Do we guys need to? Is that our new mascot for the spoiler break? Spoiler Blake. Hey, kids, uh, it's me. Spoiler Blake. Blake. He's doing his best. Hey, it's me, Spoiler Blake. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't get to do character work on this show very Blake? often. <laughs> <laughs> I got it by always having the spoilers. Get out of here, spoiler Blake. Listeners, for context, we Blake. are recording about an hour and a half later than we normally do because. Uh, yep. So you know, this spoiler Blake. Spoiler Blake's a good guy, but watching movies with him, it's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's all right. Um, so anyway, the thing that really I wanted to talk about from the back half of the main story of the game and really through to the end is just my favorite character. Uh, it's a character named Ulu or Olu. Did either of you choose to work for Olu on day two? Mm, oh, Ulo. no. no. O-O-L-O. Uh, Olu is one of the, is from the Admiralty. And for, for on ah. day two, on day two for oh, Sal's story, you pick between two different factions yeah. that you're going to be doing missions for. Because the main structure of that whole story is getting to fight Cassio at an auction that's at the very end of the game. And um, you can get there by siding either with the Spree or with the Admiralty. 
And uh, if you side with the spree, you're working for the leader of the spree named Nadan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you side with the Admiralty, you're working for Ulo. Uh, I'm going to pronounce that different every time. Ulo is one of those uh, bug-eyed aliens, the Kradeshi, and a really cool character, in my opinion. Uh, she is a intelligence officer who is also just kind of very self-interested, um, but just charming and I thought really fun and well-written and gets you, you know, kind of opens a lot of doors for you as a character because working for the Admiralty, you get to do a lot of different stuff. Um, and the, the thing that really killed me was this was that run that I was talking about where my deck basically got turned off mm-hmm. by one of the Banes. Um, and I managed to kind of claw my way back uh, by doing some of the extra missions for Olo and I also just really liked that. But then when I got to the end, um, Ulu sends you in on sent me on in one mission where I was supposed to not kill somebody, and I wound up kind of pissing them off and have had to kill them, or I would have been killed. Yeah. And so I I, and I didn't fail the mission, but it was not the best outcome, and that kind of lost me Olo's help on the final boss. So that was kind of cool in two different ways. That was me failing but first off i love games to let you fail forward you fuck up and you can keep going but with it with a cost mm-hmm. um that's great yeah um and and then the fact that it set you up for a little bit of a disadvantage in the final boss and then the final boss it turns out had a a power that cashio is the I say final boss. Cashio is the person you're trying to get revenge at on and when you confront cashio at the auction they, uh, she had a holo- hologram belt that made like triple holograms where you didn't know which, whether you were hitting one that was real or fake. Um, and that completely wrecked me. I was actually had a really strong deck, but it was all like single target damage. And that ability also really messed me up. And then what I found out going back is that if you get Olo, to help you in the final battle, which I, I lost, but I didn't know what it would have gotten me. Uh, what it would have gotten me is a maneuver that it adds to the deck that um, attacks all enemies and applies wound to them. But attacks all enemies is important because that would have gotten rid of the holograms. So the fact that there's this interplay back and forth, like I, I, I this whole story of me finishing that game is interwoven with both the mechanics and the story and the characters that I liked. I thought it was really a nice uh, tangle. This game feels like someone took a shovel full of game mechanics and like story beats and just like tossed them all together and just like ran them through a sieve to see what would stick. And that was, that was, that's really like a cool. dark fudge parfait. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my, I'm, I'm kind of off my metaphor game today. It's all either food or I don't know what. Maybe it's a brittle. <laughs> Brittles have a Ooh, lot of ingredients. It's a brittle. It's it's funny, Shane. Your your experience is so different than mine because uh, so I I ended up working for Nadon and Nadon. I ended up really liking the character, uh, and by the end, it's like Nadon's story arc is really cool. Uh, so I really liked it. And Olo or Ulo or whatever, you en- ends up being critical to the storyline as well. Uh, however, he you end she. up I had. Or sorry, she. I had to kill Ulo uh, for Nadan because Ulo had betrayed Nadan in the past. So I ended up kidnapping Ulo's like 
brother or something like that. And it was a whole thing was getting Ulo alone so that you could kill Ulo. So I killed Ulo. And then I, my fight with Cassio, um, I, it was, it was weird because there was a, a moment where I had to, there was like a whole band of, uh, of guards and I had a choice of either confront them myself, have Nadan, uh, like distract them or have Nadan try to go around them. And I did the do Nadan distract them. And then that led to with my fight with Cassio, he was like, I'm too tired from that last fight. So I can't join you. So he was not a member of my party in the fight. However, I still had a card that was inserted into my deck for the fight that was call on Nadan and only had three uses. And he would basically run in and stab Cassio for like, you know, like 10 damage and leave, which I imagine was like a consolation prize. Basically. Like I got some damage from Nadan, but not like his actual presence in the fight, which would have meant he was taking an action on every turn. Uh, but I did not even have a triple. There was no triple element to Cassio. It was all just a one-on-one fight from the beginning. And I don't, I don't know what would make that different. I don't know why, she was a, a version of a fight for you and not for me. Um, there, I know I basically like got the jump on her at the auction because I like hid mm-hmm. and waited, and maybe that like she I don't know didn't have the chance to turn it on or something like that. But like the Cassio fight was not the uh, the most challenging fight for me. The most challenging fight for me was uh, I had a mission where I had to go and get something from a boat that was. Uh, being held in harbor uh, that was basically quarantined and went to get the item from the boat. And there was the Admiralty and like a spree person fighting over who was going to get to like, they basically wanted the boat out of quarantine and Admiralty's like, no, you can't. And so I had a bunch of different options and I chose the option of grab the box and run. And uh, you know, I knew something stupid, you know, that's not going to go as I'd hoped for. But I'll tell you what, the outcome I got was not what I was expecting, which is I went to grab the box and run. And it like provoked a sea monster in my like end of day three boss Hmm. fight was this massive monster that took all of my resources. You know, there's a bunch of those like, uh, use once and destroy or use twice and destroy item cards that I kind of like stockpiled. I basically burnt like my entire thing, killing the sea monster. And I was like, I feel like I might've chose the, like grab the box and run. I feel like gave me the worst possible outcome. And I really thought I was going to lose right then and there, but you know, I somehow managed to fight him. But I bet every other option would have had me fighting just like one of those people. Uh, and this thing had like 300 HP, which was three times as much as anyone else had had. So uh, I think both of our different experiences though, just go to show like the extreme differences in how this game can go for people. Even our boss fights were super different and that's surprising because it's the same boss. Like all the different roads lead to, to Cassio. Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait to finally beat it. See those, some of those different endings really master some of the more of those mechanics. And, uh, 
maybe play out some of the other characters, but that's not how we live our lives. On the <laughs> we are always on to the next game because we play a game a week, and uh, this so is I'm not the finish the game podcast. Death mm. No, well, it is officially the finish the game podcast, but not every game is uh, short enough. That is true to be completed in an evening or a long weekend or whatever the hell time frame we say <laughs> is a but short game. As I said, I don't think they're given it's a deck building game. I feel like I could pick this up in a month and I wouldn't really have lost mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, the mechanics are the same and the cards all have the mechanics on it. So I think I'll be able to actually pick up and play this in the future as opposed to other games, which I try to put my hands on the keyboard and I do not remember how to shoot or move. Yeah, the game tutorializes. Well, it actually doesn't tutorialize that well, but the uh, the card mechanics are always available. You can hold for for Switch, it's right trigger, and it'll pull up like what everything on the card does, and that's super helpful. So yeah, you yeah, can totally pick it up. Yep. I think it's it's a very accessible game, despite its incredible complexity. And I definitely want to go back to it, and I will be going back to it. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. I think that third character is pretty cool. He's one of those uh, yeah, alien dudes. One of the spark barons, right? His, yeah. His power is all based on around him getting drunk. Yeah. So... Uh- I'm really enjoying uh, the second character's story. I I think I'm actually even enjoying it more than than Sal's story, and I really enjoyed Sal's story. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing all the characters. You know, sometime over the next six months, I'll chip away at uh, completing this game. You know, I still find time Mm -hmm. to play Slay the Spire here and there, and I Mm -hmm. think this might might, uh, fill fill that spot for a little bit. So... Well, anyway, I think that's probably enough for this episode. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to the listeners who stuck it out this far. We already did our outro, so you're getting a special goodbye. Um, (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. uh, If you play this game and are on our Discord, please talk to us about it. Because I I feel like I have eight more hours to talk about this game. But for this episode. Because I went to (laughs) Reddit to try to talk to people about it, and all of the top posts are just memes, which is fine. But I, I wanted to to chat with people about cards, and it, it's just just it's been in early access for too long for Reddit to be valuable. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. So our Discord, mm-hmm. we, we need you. So yeah, even if you do just want to send us the memes, shit post away. That's true. Yeah. Adios, folks. Bye.